Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Sylvia Houle. Sylvia is an emerging Anishinaabe contemporary artist residing in Rolette, North Dakota. She's an enrolled citizen of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa. Born and raised far away from her indigenous roots along the Northern California coastline, she didn't have the benefit of the traditional teachings of her father's people and would often feel out of place, but did not understand why until many years later. Sylvia's work represents a visual map of various things that flow through her mind, influenced by color, nature, people, thoughts, emotions, and cultural teachings. All these things she processes through different art mediums, mainly soft pastels. A couple of her main themes she likes to explore are reconnecting to her Anishinaabe heritage and portraiture. The artist herself explains, I want to share my knowledge and experience with others in my version of visual storytelling to give folks encouragement to engage in their creative evolution, conduct soul-searching for themselves, and never stop seeking knowledge. Even though Sylvia has been creating most of her life, she didn't start taking her art more seriously until not long ago after she arrived in North Dakota back in 2017. Eventually, Sylvia would like to continue her college education and become an art therapist and professional artist, and we do touch on that a little bit in our conversation. So, Let's jump into this conversation with Sylvia. Sylvia Houle, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plains Questions. It's really great to have you here. Thank you for having me here, Joe. Would you be able to introduce yourself, please? Uh, Tell us about your background, where you're from, a little bit about yourself. Well, as you know, my name is Sylvia Houle. I identify as a contemporary, or excuse me, I identify as a Anishinaabe contemporary artist, and my roots are from the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa in Belcourt, North Dakota, though I was born and raised in Northern California in a small town called Petrolia. I basically was a byproduct of what they call the Indian termination policy that happened between uh, 19... 19- 40 through 1960. The main one that I'm referring to is the Relocation Act of 1956. Um, long story short, my grandparents were both in World War II. My grandpa was U.S. Navy. My grandma worked in the shipyards. And they were just trying to find ways to support their family. And so they signed up and they were relocated to Oakland, California. And then at some point, they moved towards Hayward. They lived there, I think, for at least 20, 25 years before coming back to the reservation. Um, And so my dad eventually did some traveling himself, met my mom, and then there I came in the picture somewhere or another (laughs) in the late 80s. (laughs) And um, I grew up in a very – the hometown I grew up in was very rural – 
And uh, if you look it up on Wikipedia, Petrolia or the Matola Valley, it's considered one of the still wild places in California because it takes a couple hours to get to the nearest town in any direction, really. I came up here back in 2007, right after I graduated high school, and I took a, I took a year of classes over at Trail Mountain Community College. And then when my grandpa passed, I got really homesick and came back. But then I did a little bit of traveling. Then I lived in Eureka for a few years. And and I was visiting one of my friends in Indiana for a few months. And my dad suddenly calls me out of nowhere. This is um, probably around Christmas time going into year 2017. He says, okay, come on over. So I travel back through Turtle Mountain to his house. And as soon as I get through the door, he tells me that he has cancer. And it was already stage four and starting to metastasize at that time. So of course I knew what I needed to do. So I basically transplanted here again and I've been here ever since. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to hear that. Is, is your father, is he still with us? Unfortunately, he passed away in August of 2020, not due to COVID, but due to the complications of his cancer. He had a um, combination of prostate cancer and colorectal cancer, and it, like I said, metastasized through the rest of his body. Um, it, it's one of those things that you could have prevented it potentially. I mean, you can't always prevent things. But if you go and get yourselves tested, that's the important thing is catch it as soon as you can. My, my wife is a physician and she says that all the time, uh, people will come in with things that, you know, she's heartbroken that people try to tough it out, you know, or they have a fear of hospitals and sometimes things just sort of advance so far. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about that. I, I appreciate that, but I know he's not suffering anymore. And and the funny thing is that's how I got my first spirit name was doing a prayer for him at a ceremony. Um, I just know that um, he's no longer suffering and it was a very long, complicated grieving process, but you know, it's like, it's something like that you just have to make room for and everyone has their own way of going about it. Um that's why I strongly Very. advocate if you need help, definitely reach out, whether it's like emotional support or or therapy or anything like that. I think that's a great message. Uh, you know, through the course of this work, I've I've come to realize that there are so many people out there looking to help and to to really shoulder the weight uh, for a lot of people out there of what they're going through. Exactly. And asking for help is not a bad thing. You know, it's a sign of strength. No, there's such, um, like I was diagnosed with major depression and, and typical anxiety. And a lot of that was triggered by grief. But um, a lot of people tend to put a little bit of a taboo on mental and behavioral health. And it doesn't make any sense because if you want to have a better society, why do you make it such a taboo to like mention like I need help or I want help with something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a great, 
not just an existential question, but I think a cultural question. Exactly. Like there's different ways to approach it. Like there's, of course, modern techniques. There's also traditional, like, um, like uh, one of the questions, excuse me, like uh, one of my positions in the past, like when I was living here, before COVID happened, I was working as a personal assistant for a clinical psychologist on termite reservation in her private practice. And um, they would service, of course, all the, the community members there, all the enrolled members that would come approach them, as well as anyone in the community that required or requested their assistance. Hmm. And she would specialize in uh, behavioral health and uh, she also had some uh, cultural aspects with some of her um, workshops and her, and she's also a keynote speaker, Dr. Tammy Jolly Trottier. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, her, her current business, Indigenized Behavioral Healing, um, I would definitely check that out. And they're currently looking for a um, clinical, licensed clinical provider, I believe. It's mm-hmm. a... Uh, Licensed behavioral provider, excuse me. Okay. And um, I, I recommend looking them up because they she can also travel. Like there's this one, uh, this one workshop that I helped her set up, and it was happened to be through Plains Art Museum, where we used the facilities there in one of the studios, studio rooms, and I think it was her turtle medicine workshop it was about two or three days mm-hmm. and um it definitely unlocked a lot of emotional stuff because uh she allowed me to participate as well as help like set things up um it was a very powerful experience and she uses a lot of her cultural teachings that she has experienced and learned in some of her practice and it's a pretty cool experience i think that workshop took place right before um, I started at the museum there. Uh, I think between my, my internship and uh, my assignment there. And even, even after that, for a while, people were talking about that workshop and the mm-hmm. good work that she's doing. So it's, it's, it's good to hear her uh, come up in this place here and hopefully she'll be a future guest on this show. Oh, absolutely. You should like, when you get a chance to check out her Facebook page, check out her business website, I imagine she might even have some of her artwork on there too. Cause her artwork, she's very, very humble about her work mm-hmm. when it comes to her artwork. And I keep, I, I keep on encouraging her even to this day to sh- showcase that more too. Yeah. She was a, she was a, um, an artist in, one of our exhibit, the first exhibition I was a part of at the Plains called uh, Wasmo Bashizi. Mm-hmm. And if I pronounce that wrong, uh, please let me know. I'm, it's an Anishinaabe term and I'm a Dakota. So <laughs> it's a little, a little different for me, but uh, she, she was one of the artists. And so when I first saw her name, I thought she was an artist. And through conversations, I realized uh, that she did so much more than, than just create 2D works. You know, the funny thing is she does not call herself an artist, but I will call her an artist any time, any day, because <laughs> her artwork just so expressive, especially just in the strokes that she uses in her work. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you, you come back to North Dakota or you come Mm -hmm. to North Dakota and at what point did your art, um, develop? How, how was that process for you? Okay. Well, before I came to, I mean, I dabbled in artwork most of my life, but I didn't really start taking it a little bit more seriously until maybe 2014 around there. And I was working as a, uh, or work investment act at a nonprofit organization called um, Northern California Indian Development Council. And one of the things I would do is that I would have to study the different artists there that would come in and sell their work to the shop. And all the proceeds would go back into buying more from the other artists. So that kind of helped influence because at that time I wasn't so sure where I wanted to go with my creative journey. And I st- I'm still kind of processing that, but then it's never really a straight and narrow line. Never is. Um, No. (laughs) But um, not only did Dr. Trottier have her private practice, she also had a passion project called Generation Art. Basically, it would be to um, provide a safe environment for people to come and do various cultural and artistic activities and we strongly encouraged intergenerational families and it wasn't just restricted to the indigenous families it was also just everyone in the local community but yeah and i worked there with dr trottier for about three years and uh and of course when you create ev- just about every day and then you also kind of influence with different people, different artists, different organizations, it can definitely be a big influence of you over time, mm-hmm. as well as you being an influence over them. Though I'd like to say that they were a bigger influence on me. Well, that slides us right into the next question is, uh, who are your biggest influences? Well, I'm not fluent in Anishinaabemowin or Ojibwe, um, but, uh, I'd have to say my top and foremost influence is, pardon me if I pronounce this wrong, Aska Kamikoi, like Mother Earth, basically. Because where I grew up, I was very introverted, so I would often spend time by myself or with the adults that were in the area that I grew up in. It was a very rural area, and so I would often find myself not, like, getting, like, lost. I don't know where I'm going, but I would find myself getting lost in nature. Like, I would follow animal trails. I would go to the beach, which was just a few miles away. I would go swimming, go camping with just a blanket and a pillow and do stargazing. It was like, I felt like I was very spoiled by nature or Mother Earth, however you want to refer to it or her. And that was one of my biggest influences. And then as I got older, I started exploring more art. I'm I'm mostly self-taught, so um, just reading and I love to read and I love to 
carry books everywhere. And then I discovered art books and then I discovered videos and, um, and also just checking out various art galleries on various trips like Frida Kahlo. She's one, she's a, a Mexican or Mexican indigenous artist down in Mexico from like the earliest 20th century. And I liked how her work was very expressive and reflected a lot of what was going on internally with her in correspondence to her environment and, and the people around her. Another one is, of course, kind of cliche, Vincent van Gogh, but his love for colors. And plus, it intrigued me that he seemed to display a lot of mental health uh, complications. And, um, and I guess more recently, been exploring more indigenous artists because I'm trying to reconnect with my cultural roots and also just trying to get a better understanding where that came from. Like uh, Leonard Peltier, I got to see some of his original artwork in Chicago a couple years ago. And to see that all up close and to see that he could still paint beauty while being in the type of situation that he is in. Mm-hmm. And another one is Christy Belcourt because big, huge paintings and that attention to detail and her storytelling through that. And those are the more mentionable ones, but to be honest, like just about anyone that I come in like cross paths with can be an influence, even if it's just for a fleeting moment, you know? As you're going through the list of artists, I'm trying to think of um, resources. Uh, I've recently spoke with America Meredith, who's the editor in chief of First American Art magazine. And talk about just a catalog of who's who in the art world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's part of me that would love to have this podcast be sort of what the, I guess, the spoken version of what that magazine is, being able just to connect with artists and, and tell their stories. Um, so, you know, I think that's a that's a great resource to being able to um, find contemporary artists from all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, those those individuals that you've named, it's interesting about Van Gogh, um, you know, of course, uh, mental health issues uh, followed him through his life. And there's an interesting book that was written by his brother, Theo, uh, about uh, he published the correspondence between his brother. And I think there's, there's a, there was a case somewhere or there was a, where, I don't, I don't think I read this, but I think it was like a video essay on YouTube where I think we get most of our information these days, <laughs> um, <laughs> where he used to, oh, this was an art school. He, he used to, um, to keep his brushes at a fine point, he would lick the, the hairs on his brushes before he would mm-hmm. dip them. And they think that he had some sort of a poisoning, long-term from, poisoning effects. From the turpentine, yeah. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, you know, there's, I always thought that was, that was so interesting and fascinating. Um, that people were able to put those things together over time, you know? 
Yeah, and the 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 sad but ironic thing is that he never sold a single painting. He yeah. basically he would gift them to his or give them to his brother, and then his brother would sell them to help support him. He literally died as an unknown. I know it's it's sad because look at the vibrant colors and the techniques he used. Some of it was like very bright, but you could still see like that kind of struggle in a way, Mm -hmm. especially when you learn more about him and you correlate it with his work, then you can kind of imagine maybe what, what he was going through as he was painting these. Yeah. And I think it's a very human thing, you know, it's same with Frida, you know, the things that she were, that she was going through. Um, and you see the pain in their imagery. Um, there's yes. a local artist. Uh, he's non-native, but he's in the area. His name's Dale Odlin. Mm-hmm. One of he's he's one of the great unknowns in South Dakota, or in the country, really. But he's he's out of northeastern South Dakota, and I I kind of feel there's a kinship there with him, in the fact that you know he's experienced loss, and his work is so prolific. Um, it, it's a shame that nobody really knows who he is, you know. So, but. but uh- Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> That'll be in the case of, you know, we're here to talk about you and your work. And so, yeah. I um, guess another thing too, another big influence lately is, of course, my dad. Because yeah. um, he always strongly believed in my work. And of course, me being like, oh, no, dad, it's it's not a big deal. It's like I got other things I got to take care of and uh, <laughs> and then I'd hear stories that, oh yeah, he talked a big storm about you everywhere he went. I'm like, oh my mm. gosh. Mm. Um, but I think these days there was a point in my grieving that I nearly gave up my work and was trying to give away my, my art supplies for free, even just to get rid of it. And, and of course convincing by some family members, um, Shout out to my cousin, Awana Gijic Bruce, which is also another awesome artist. Absolutely. That has one, has like one too many mediums that he works with, that they work <laughs> with, but it's, <laughs> it's fun to tease them about it, but they've been a big help in this new transition of life for me. And so I just wanted to say, thank you, Awani. I'll see you later, cuz. No. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see Awani on this podcast shortly yes i heard the news about that i'm really looking forward to hearing what they have to say i'm really excited that they're going to be on so let's let's talk about your your career um you know i've i've seen you in different places and most recently i've seen you down in uh the university of lincoln nebraska um at an exhibition down there uh but can you talk about um your your art career, uh, going to the different markets and the different things that you've done? Well, to be honest, it hasn't been until more recently where I've become more active in pursuing like the, like being an artist or, um, in basically like a freelancing artist, basically. Um, I had my first juried art show in 2017. It was the, uh, the second annual Heart of the Turtle Indian Juried Art Show Market in uh, Turtle Mountain Reservation here in Belcourt. 
and it was their second one, as I just said. <laughs> and I wasn't expecting to win anything. It was just fun to to learn the process and be a part of it. And uh, I won first place in the uh, adult fine arts division of it. And I was really surprised by that. And I guess that was a nice little booster. Be like, all right, well, I guess my artwork is is worth is worth to mention. So, um, then after that, then was focusing more on working with Dr. Trotter and Gen Art. So, even though I would have some commissions on the side, but I was more focused on my primary job. And then when COVID happened, and I was trying to think of ways to like support myself. And I've been, I feel like I've been very fortunate because I've been, of course, they had the emergency funding and especially when my dad passed, because I would not have been able to function in the work setting with how I was feeling at that time. And now it's, I've been in the process of receiving some awards and some grants and I'm going to keep on trying to do that because eventually I would like to go back to school and become an art therapist. Okay. Because I, because art in itself is already kind of therapeutic, but not like on an official level, of course, not licensed or anything like that. But eventually I'd like to be able to get to that stage and be a, a better, more efficient help for those who are struggling and they have a hard time being vocal about it. Mm -hmm. And I guess that kind of ties in with everything with, <laughs> with why I'm a big advocate for seeking uh, mental and behavioral health assistance. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful thing, that messaging and that focus. Um, you know, my, my father passed away a year ago and we're, we're just coming up on the anniversary. And the first guest I had right after that, that actually the, the week of, um, was Donald Anderson, who is, um, he's, he's, a, a social worker, uh, that works at circle of nation schools. And he works with the youth down there on their, their mental health. And, um, he's a counselor. And since then, uh, and of course, to me, it was one of the most valuable interviews I had, um, not just for myself, but the messaging and what he does, because um, he's kind of like a unicorn, you know, a, a Native American <laughs> male counselor, you know, like how many are there out there? Um, but then we had uh, Whitney Fear. Uh, she was on and she's um, she's a, a oh, I'm going to get her title wrong here. Uh, a clinical nurse. I think she's a PA. Um Oh, Isn't that a CNA or no? No, no. She's she's got her master's um, in clinical studies. Okay. Uh, I probably butchered that really too, and shame on me because I worked <laughs> admin part of that. I got you. Oh. I got you. But I've always encouraged um, uh, Whitney to get her PhD, if anything, so we can just call her Doctor Fear. I think that would be an amazing name. <laughs> um. So how, how do you seek opportunities? How, how do opportunities um, present themselves to you? Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that when you do a lot of traveling and you're traveling alone, 
you tend to reach out and be social with even just perfect strangers. And when you talk about yourself and they talk about themselves and then it comes into, into fruition that, Hey, I, this is one of my hobbies or this is one of my interests and they're curious. And then you share it with them and they're like, Oh, well here, let me connect you with this person or, um, or like, in the kind of work that I did with Dr. Trotter with Generation Art, it's get to connect with a lot of creative individuals, a lot of organizations, and for example, like Plains Art Museum, and being invited to those art markets or art shows, and basically it's just allowing yourself, because you are your own biggest advocate no matter what, even if you have a full team of people supporting you and helping you along the way, you are your biggest advocate because it's you that's being represented. So you have to show what you're made of, but still keep humble, of course. <laughs> of course. One thing I've learned over the years is that no one, no one can fight harder for you than you. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, uh, to your point, it's, it's how you go about it. So what would you say to the, uh, to the 18 or the 22 year old that's listening to this conversation? Well, like I said, with being the biggest advocate, don't be afraid to create. Don't be afraid to practice. That's how you get to any point in your life. Like riding a bicycle, learn to enjoy what you do. And then when you become, are able to better enjoy it, then you can become more serious about it, but don't lose that spark of fun and excitement for it. Like that's what I tell my students all the time when I interact with them. It's like, I just want you guys to focus on just having fun with it. Get messy, just make some scribbles and, and then some shapes, some random shapes, put them together, get your hands familiar with the materials that you're using and your eyes familiar with it. And then if you want, when you feel ready, to be more technical because people tend to get so stuck on being technical when it comes to art. Like they feel like they have to be perfect right off the get go, or they defeat themselves with saying, Oh, I can't, um, I can only draw a stick figure. And here I am thinking like, no, you no, no. (laughs) That's all I can (laughs) say is no. And so just don't be afraid to allow yourself to experiment with positive things like art. And if you feel like you need to do what they call like shadow art, which means if you want to explore like, like a darker side, like, or a brighter side, don't be too afraid because that's a good outlet to, and then for you to sit back after you finish it and look at it and just, see what you were experiencing at that time and to better process it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just don't be afraid to be your own advocate. Well, Sylvia, that was, that was wonderful. Where, where can our, our listener find you? Well, right now I'm in the process of building a website, but for right now you can find me at Sylvia whole art on Facebook and Instagram, though I'm more active on Facebook and uh, they have has my contact information on there, and 
I'm also planning on setting up a Zoom hangout chat. And uh, there's going to be two different chats, one for children or kids under the age of 18. And then there's going to be an adult group. And basically all level experiences of artists or even just appreciators can come and be a part of it. And I'll be announcing when that is ready. But it's kind of like community building. That's ultimately why I want, that's my ultimate goal for, for that Zoom chat is um, they can network with other artists. They could um, basically learn some things they didn't learn before. Um, simple networking, like finding out different opportunities. And if someone wants to do a little demonstration of their work, then they can have the floor. Just let people know what materials they'll need. And just, just all around, like I said, just community building. That sounds wonderful. Um, we will, if they're available, we'll put uh, links in the show notes uh, so people can look you up and, and try to connect with you. Yes. I, I really look forward to hearing from anyone who decides to come say hello. Sylvia, that's great. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. It was really great to have you here. Thank you for having me. And it's been a real pleasure having to sit here with you and chat with you. And, uh, I look forward to future correspondences. I look forward to them too. We'll be in touch. Okay. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Sylvia again for her time and sharing her story with us. She's a great example of the journey that we're all on in discovering our art and ourselves and the culture that we come from and our place both within that culture and that community but uh, the, the community of, of, of the lives that we live in in general. And so I really appreciate um, sort of the, the honesty and her willingness to talk about um, that experience with us because it's something that so many of us can relate to. Um, you know, she's, I feel she's early in her career and I think she has a, a very long and exciting um, journey ahead of her. And so I'm just really grateful that Sylvia took the time to sit down with me and talk about uh, that that perspective, and it's really appreciated. So, Sylvia, thank you again for for your time and sharing all that with us. It was deeply appreciated, and I really look forward to watching uh, both your career as an artist and the path you're on uh, develop. It's going to be exciting to watch. So, thank you for that. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story from our community. So please, join us next time as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canada, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists, on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. You can also find us on our website, plainsart.org. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. So if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please look me up on Facebook and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. Well, that's it. You take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.